some weeks that when I'm preparing to preach, I get really excited. And I'm really excited about what God has put on my heart to be able to share. I don't know if you get as excited to come. Maybe you don't. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but I get really excited about what God has put on my heart. And I really believe this, that as followers of Jesus Christ, there's no reason that this shouldn't be the best year ever. How many of you would like that? For this just to be the best year ever. Not like, hey, I just barely made it. I barely survived. Uh, A lot of times when we get to the end of the year, end of 2022, we're starting to think things like, oh, I made it. Or, oh, I hope next year isn't like this year. Oh, I hope next year is better. Um, And and so I thought it'd be so important for us to take the time to build a, a little bit of a roadmap, if you will. How do we practically step into the best year ever? So last week we talked about rest. We talked about choosing rest for ourselves, rest for our bodies and our souls, how this is a gift from God. Today, I want us to look at what I'm calling the concept of the tribe. You guys, did you know you're part of a tribe? Did you know? You didn't know because you're all like, what? I am. You are part of a tribe. Listen, you are part of the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about family life church. I'm talking about big C church. I hope you realize that the church of Jesus Christ is way bigger than family life church. It's way bigger than the assemblies of God. Uh, In fact, as, as a pastor, one question I get asked a lot by other pastors is how many people go to your church? So I started telling them 2.2 billion people go to my church. You should see it. They're really impressed. They're like, whoa, that's got to be the biggest church in the world. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, But that's Jesus. That's his church all across the world that's meeting in different places under different names, but all professing the name of Jesus. And and so you're a part of that tribe. But I also want to submit to you that you're a part of a lot of other tribes as well, which is what I really want to focus on today. What is it about us that is so distinctly different as we look at these tribal concepts? And, and if I can, just like for some of you are like, I don't know if I'm believing this whole tribe thing. Believe you me, it's true, okay? Let me, let me give you some examples of your tribe here in Western Pennsylvania. We are the only people in the world who look at a group of people and say, yins. And I don't do that. I said we to be nice. Okay, forget it. You know, you go a little bit to the west, and people will say, y'all. You go a little further south, and they will say, all y'all. You come back north and head east, and they get over there, and it's yous, you, or you guys, or you guyses. It gets really complicated out east. Just stay away, okay? Not only that, think of it in these terms. Think about the different ways that in different regions people dress, the things they do for entertainment, the things that they, that they take pride in. Uh, I, was, I was grateful to hear that they recently outlawed this, but I've had a couple trips like um, down south and like north and south Carolina. Anybody been down to the Carolinas ever? So it used to be this big thing. All the pickup trucks there, instead of like around here, how they're jacked up all the way, they would only jack up the front. And I, I'm like... I just tried to picture that, like, how would you drive like that? That would feel really uncomfortable. But everything, there's a different dialect, a different thing that we way that we talk, but, but there's also that within the church as well, and I wanted to focus on that. And so I wanted to just really talk uh, through 1 Peter as we get started this morning, 1 Peter chapter 2, and, and Peter is speaking to people who used to be nobodies, but now they're somebody because of God, and I, I want to read that with you, because here's what it says, people stumble 
because they do not obey God's word. Maybe phrase that differently. They get to the end of the year and they feel like they just barely made it. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Just want to pause there because I'm not really going to go deep into this. This fate that God planned for them was not that they would not do well, but just this understanding. God says, for those who follow me, I have this plan. For those who reject me, I have this plan, right? Then he says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are chosen. Tell your other neighbor because you don't want to leave them out. All right? Don't kiss. That was weird. It's husband and wife, it's fine, it's fine. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is why this matters, the fulcrum of all this. He says, once you had no identity as a people, you weren't a tribe. None of us had any connection to each other, right? He says, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And, and, and here's the picture that he's trying to paint. For most of us in this room, now I get that within here we have a couple uh, generational family ties, but for the most part, we really don't have much of a reason to be connected. Uh, outside of Jesus, there really wouldn't be much of a reason for us all to be in the same room at the same time. And so he speaks to that directly. He says, you, all of you, this tribe of the children of God, you used to be nothing, but because of what God has done, you've now become the people of God. You're you're part of a tribe now that is different and, and distinct from every other tribe in the world. You're the people of God. But as we kind of unpack this a little bit, one thing that I think is has really been jumping out in my mind is that we've got what I would call an identity crisis. Now, I'm not talking about gender identity. You know, I know we could go off the rails a little bit talking about some of those things, but that is a side effect of the, the other identity crises that we are experiencing within ourselves. And, and you know, within every one of us, we have to wrestle with about eight to 10 different identities. And I, you're like, oh, I don't have like split personality disorder. Some of you do. I, I meant, no, I'm just kidding. Here's some of the identities that we have to wrestle with. I'll put myself on display here. I am a husband, I am a father, I am an American, I am a Denver Broncos fan. It's really a bad relationship, will you pray for me? Like, it's been rough, it's been rough. I am a Denver Broncos fan, I'm a musician. Uh, You might not know that about me, I I can play just about any instrument, I love music. Um, I love to work with my hands, I I work on my cars and my motorcycles, and I I love to do that stuff, I love to do woodwork, I love to, to do, I have so many of these things that I can identify with, and if I'm really wanting to feel special, I can, I can tell people I am also the chief operating officer at Family Life Church Incorporated. Sounds impressive, right? All of these different identities that I have to to kind of wear at different times. And here's the thing about them. Every single one of them has a different set of priorities, right? When I'm a Denver Broncos fan, my priority is to root no matter what. It's been hard, but I'm I'm doing my best. I put my my jersey on and I believe with expectation every Sunday that it's not going to be the worst thing ever. And it it is. Uh, As a father, my top priority is to love my children. As a husband, my top priority is to love my wife. 
As an American, my top priority is to defend our freedoms and and to be very cautious about who I'm voting for, those kind of things. Um, As somebody who likes to work with my hands, I devote myself to different things. They all come with differing sets of priorities. But here's the problem. All of those different sets of priorities pull you and pull me in different directions. And eventually, over time, it, it creates an identity crisis. It's like, who am I and what in me and about me is the most important thing? And this is what, what Peter is speaking to when he kind of gives this message. He says, listen, I know you got a lot of other stuff going on in your life and you used to be nobody to each other, but because of what God has done, you're now the people of God. That's your tribe. Your tribe isn't the Denver Broncos fans. Your tribe, and this is hard to hear, your tribe isn't even that you're just American. Your tribe isn't that you're male or female. Your tribe isn't that you're young or old. Your tribe isn't any of those things. Your tribe is that you are the people of God. And then he continues the next two verses. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. He says, you've got to be careful about something. What is it? Here's what he says to be careful about. You shouldn't look like the other tribes in the world. You shouldn't sound like the other tribes in the world. You shouldn't have the same priorities that they have. And he says, here's, here's this disparaging thing that's happening. You're giving in and pursuing the same things that they're pursuing. And over time, it's beginning to wear you out. How many of you in here feel like sometimes you're just kind of not in control of your own schedule because there's this demand and that demand and this place and that thing and that you got to do this and go here and go there and build that and start this and finish that and do some work on this. We're just constantly running in different directions because we have differing sets of principles and priorities that move us all over the place. How many of you have ever heard the statement, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall over anything? Right, and and this is important because I think this is gonna be so imperative to us moving into this year is to make this decision. If I could could lay out a, a, a map for you here, it would be to say, I need to take a stand in my life and start to make a decision. What matters most to me? What is it that I'm going to prioritize? What's going to be the number one thing that everything else is going to have to get in line after that because this is who I am and this is my identity? You know, if we were to think about the ways that we identify ourselves, did you notice that in the great list of things that I gave you, not once did I say, here's my identity, follower of Jesus. We don't even see it anymore. And this is the identity that we've been called to. When he says, I called you out of darkness and into God's light, it was to pull you out of what everybody else was chasing and to put you on a path towards what really matters most. And church, this is the call. He says, we've got to take a stand on which identity is going to be most important to us. Who's going to get first place? Who's going to get the best of me? Who's going to get the leftovers? Because can we be honest? Let's just, let's just be really brutally honest sometimes. Sometimes we give God the leftovers. Is that fair? Sometimes we give God the leftovers. Why? Because we've got a whole bunch of other priorities. 
We're a part of a whole bunch of other tribes. We're pulled in a whole bunch of different directions. And he says the more you're pulled in those things, the harder it's going to be for you to stand firm and be resolute about what matters most. In the book of James, we see this come out in James chapter 1. James is giving some instruction to the early church, and and really he's trying to reach uh, the uh, Jews who had not accepted that Jesus was the Messiah. But he's telling them, he says, listen, you you can't just be hearers of the word, you've got to be doers of the word. It's not enough to just listen. You know, we kind of touched on this last week because in in Jeremiah chapter 6, when God is giving, and you'll see this heading in your Bible, if you go back and read it right before verse 17, it's the final warning to Israel. It's the last, he's like, I'm I'm not going to say any more after this. I'm sure you've had a conversation with maybe your spouse, and they're like, I'm going to say this, and I'm not saying anything else after that. How many of you know that was not the last thing they were going to (laughs) say? He says, go to the crossroads and look for the godly way, and then walk on that path. But you say, no, we don't, that's not the road we want. That's not leading to where I want to go. That's not fulfilling every, that's not, I don't feel satisfied walking down that road. I don't want the godly thing. But here's what James 1 verse 6 and 8 says. He says, do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they're unstable in everything they do. I was, I was looking, you know, I, I try to look when I'm studying Scripture, the, a word that might stick out to me, and I, I studied that word, unstable. And it's the Greek word, akitastos. And that word means for someone who is unsettled, who is fickle, who's just kind of bouncing from thing to thing, and and ultimately it says this, out of control. Like you're just not in control of what's going on. You're you're just really kind of being drug around. And and it really fits in what he's talking about. I don't know, how many of you have been to the ocean? You ever try to stop a wave? Good luck. Or maybe walk out into the ocean and tell you, waves, you need to go that way. It doesn't work. And this is, that's the imagery he's using to drive this point home. He says, if you are wavering between living in the tribe that is the people of God and being drawn in all these different directions of all these other tribes and all these other priorities, you are going to become so unsettled and so unstable. And, it, and it's this warning, not, not out of persecution, but out of love, where he says, you're going to get to the end of this year and you're going to feel exhausted. You're going to feel like you just barely made it. You're going to be looking at next year and thinking just like you did in 2022 and 21 and 20 and 19 and 18 and all the way back to whenever you were born and started to realize some of these things. I hope next year is better. Why? Because he said you are being pulled in too many different directions. You know, what that really does to us is it makes us restless souls. There's no rest. We talked about this last week. There's just no rest because I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to be. And, and here's the amazing thing to me. And I don't know how we got here, honestly, but all of it feels just as important as the rest of it. It's like there's nothing that is tiered. It's not like 
No, this is super important and this is just kind of, it's like, no, it all super, super duper, super, super duper matters and we've got to do it all. And over time, we've just become so exhausted from the restlessness of being tossed around by the world in which we're living. You know, when you go back into the Old Testament, there's this moment right before the children of Israel get to go into the promised land. And, and so they're, they're camped outside and, and they're looking like, here's God's promise that's coming for us. It's all the good things he said he was gonna do. It's a land, they described it this way, as a land flowing with milk and honey. It's, it's just like everything we could want is gonna be in that land. And God speaks through Moses to the people as they're about to go into this land. And here's what he tells them. He says, I'm about to give you everything I've ever promised you, but I'm worried about you. Why? He says, because there's other tribes in there. There's some other tribes in there. And they're tribes that don't believe in me. And they're tribes that have their own lists of priorities. They've got their own gods. They've got their own customs. They've got their own things. And I'm just, I, I fear for you that you're going to go into the land of my promise. And so he tells them, you've got to drive all of that out. You've got to get rid of all of that so that I'm the number one thing. Because you can't live among a whole bunch of other priorities and keep me first. And wouldn't you know, God who sees into the future, guess what? He was right. He was right. And so Israel goes in there, and the best way I can describe it is they kind of conquer the promised land. They didn't do everything God said to do, and they left some of those other tribes. They let them hang around. They let them be there. And over time, it became their downfall. And they started to marry into those other tribes and chase after their customs and worship their gods and do their things. And eventually, Joshua, who's the next leader for Israel, at the end of his life, he has to stand before Israel, and it's a, a quote I'm sure you've seen on a plaque somewhere. But he tells all the people, he says, listen, we are surrounded by tribes. We are surrounded by differing priorities. We are surrounded by different goals and different opportunities and different directions. And somewhere in all of that, there's God. And he says, but you're going to have to make a decision. Choose you this day. Who are you going to serve? And then he makes this statement. He backs up from all of them. He's like, I don't know about yins or y'all or you guys or you guys's or you. He says, I don't know about you, but I know this. This guy and his household are going to serve the Lord. This guy and his household, they're going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to chase everything else that everybody's chasing. And listen, it's never been more of a militaristic effort at any time in history than it is right now to just continually draw us in different directions. And I really feel like if God could look at us in, in this year, in 2023, if he could stand up here himself and have a conversation with you, he would say this to you. There's a lot of tribes out there. There's a whole lot of tribes out there. There's a whole lot of things you could choose. There are a whole lot of different sets of priorities and principles and you could be a, choose to be a part of this people and identify that way and this people and identify that way or this people and identify that way or this people and identify that way. But then the same question that Joshua begged for the people of Israel goes, you've got to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? Who is going to get number one? 
who is going to be the top priority behind which every other priority has to bow down and get on its face and say, nope, Jesus first. Nope, Jesus first. Can't, Jesus first. Won't, Jesus first. That's my tribe. He says, you were once not a people, but now you're the people of God. So don't chase after what the world chases after, because if you do, it's going to wage war on your souls. You're going to get to the end of 2023. You're going to feel just as tired, just as weary, just as spent, drawn in every direction, pulled by different priorities, wondering how you made it through. And once again, oh God, I just hope next year's a little better. I just hope next year's a little better. Church, who are you going to serve this year? Who, who's going to be your tribe in 2023? Is it going to be some identity that you have in your job uh, or in your interests or, or in your, your family or your community? Or, or I don't know. There's so many you could choose. I mean, there's a limitless number that you could choose. Somewhere in the midst of that, there has to be a people who take a stand and say, I'm going to choose that my tribe is the people of God. Because Jesus paid a price for me to be a part of that tribe. He, he bought the entry fee for me to be a part of that tribe. And it's more precious than any other tribe that has ever or will ever exist. And I choose that. And it's going to be my guiding principle behind which everything else has to be subject. Because he is first, best, most. I choose Jesus. Church, I believe it. And I'll, I'll, I don't know, I'll put it to the test if you don't believe me. I mean, we'll, we'll test it this year. If you put Jesus first in everything... I believe you're going to get to the end of this year and you're going to have peace in your heart that you haven't had in a long time. I believe that if you let Jesus be first and let everything else be second, you're going to get to the end of 2023 and you're going to feel much different than you did at the end of this last year. So, in the words of Joshua, choose today which tribe you're going to be a part of because you could go any direction you want. You have free will. You can say, that bald guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And you can leave. I'm going to tell you this. As for me and my household, we choose Jesus. My wife and I, we choose Jesus. For my kids, we choose Jesus. For my family, for my grandkids, and my great-grandkids, and generations that I may never see, I choose Jesus. He's my tribe. You're my tribe. And I'm so grateful for you. Will you pray with me? God, we're thankful for the incredible gift that you have given to us. We who were not a people who are now the people of God. We who had no claim to each other, no claim to be familial with one another, no claim to eternity. We're now the people of God. What a gift. And Lord, I pray that you would just let this be a sobering moment for every single one of us. This moment of the crossroads that you described to Israel in Jeremiah chapter 6. Which way are you going to go? What are you going to choose at the beginning of this year? Are you going to choose to just keep doing what you've done and getting the same results you've gotten? Or are you going to choose something different this year? Are you going to go back and choose the godly way and walk in it and go for it? 
God, I pray that there wouldn't be condemnation in that, that there'd be freedom in it, that there'd be joy in it, that we have the opportunity to follow after you and God, help us. We are drawn in so many different directions. We are pulled by so many priorities. And in the midst of all of that, you've just become one of the priorities. We haven't put you at number one. Would you forgive us for that, Lord? Forgive us for giving you our leftovers sometimes. Forgive us for withholding from you completely because there was nothing left. We want to make room for you, Lord. As we're in prayer this morning, I just want to ask if you're here and maybe that's, you can identify with that. Like I feel pulled in a lot of different directions by a lot of different things. But I want to choose to put God first. Can I just ask you to slip up a hand? Because I want to pray for you this morning. Yeah, thank you. Yep, hands all over the room. Thank you. Can I ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close out together in prayer? Listen, can I tell you something? You are not alone. The struggles that you face, the tensions that you feel, the ways in which you sometimes just feel like you're just not enough and you're barely making it and barely surviving. You're not alone. You're not alone. It's a mutual struggle that we feel. But listen, there's hope in Jesus because he's given us the opportunity to choose one set of priorities and principles that would guide and govern our lives so that we could be the tribe, the people of God. I want to pray that over you this morning that God would give you the opportunity to make that decision in the beginning of this year and to see the fruit of it as this year unfolds. So God, I just pray right now for every person in this room who raised their hand, those who are watching us online, Lord, that you would just move supernaturally in this moment in the hearts of your people. God, we grow weary by all of the tension and the pulling and redirection. Help us to choose you first. God, we want to put you at the, at the first place in our lives to be the best part of ourselves, the best part of our family, the best part of our marriages, the best part of our relationships with our children and our extended family and our coworkers and, and even some of those groups that we've been a part of. God, would you be the best part of those things? And just give us this moment of sobriety where we realize that we can't chase after all of it. We can't be a part of every tribe and say we're also a part of the tribe of God. But Lord, to make that decisive move that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the tribe I choose. God, I just pray that over each of us, Lord, and I pray that you'd guard it and protect it because it's not an easy decision. Give us eyes to see the things that are pulling us away and drawing us away. Give us eyes to see and the boldness to just say, no, no, I won't be pulled away. I choose Jesus. God, I pray that you'll be with each of us as we go today. Remind us that we're missionaries to the world to which we've been called to reach those tribes, to reach those nations. We make room for you to do what you want to do, Lord. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, love on your tribe. 
Love on your tribe today. Love on each other. Encourage one another. Lord bless you. Our prayer team will be up here at the front if you need prayer this afternoon. Uh, They'd love to meet with you, but love on each other and encourage each other in Jesus.